Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the week of April 27th, uh, 2018. I am your host Dustin and with me today is Ben, Yo, Larry, Quack, and Aaron is somewhere around here. I uh, gotta get my animal noises back out. <laughs> Aaron, you should fire up your... Uh, um, the sound generator used for D&D and just make seagull noises. But then the audience won't be able to hear it. Oh, that's true. They won't. I'll just... Just give me the sound file and I'll dub it in. Alright. <laughs> It'll be the most effort I put into editing, editing in quite a while. Um, uh, I'm still uh, currently trying to work out a, a schedule for recording card capture segments that will work with Emily. Uh, so hopefully we'll get that figured out soon. I'll probably just, re- just release it as a separate segment if we do. But yeah, I'm actively working on getting that segment back again. <laughs> if I can. Schedules are hard. Um, as always, you can find show notes at www.projectharhi.net or... Uh, yeah, .net, yes. Audio or entropy. Or audioentropy.com. Uh, and let's start with uh, the shows that we are, um, some of the newer shows we're reviewing this week. Uh, starting with Full Metal Panic, Invisible Victory, was yep. it? Yeah, Invisible Victory, episodes <clears throat> one and two. Uh, 13 years later, this is still a Full Metal Panic ass Full Metal Panic show. Mm hmm. Uh,. Yes, it is. Episode one uh, was a little slow, though I can kind of understand because it's been 13 years. So you may need to have a bit of a kind of gentle reintroduction to what the heck the series is about. Um, But episode two has a lot going down. And maybe the best Tessa moment in this whole series. Oh, yes. Tessa was amazing. It's interesting because, like, I remember for most of season one and, like, probably about, like, a third of season two, I was like, I didn't, like, Tessa's fine, I guess, but I don't see how you'd like her more. And then this episode of season three, I'm like, okay, Tessa's pretty good. (laughs) Uh, For context, for those of you who haven't watched the episode, which I actually do recommend, um... There is a moment where uh, Mithril's home base uh, is under attack. Uh, a The enemy has deployed a giant mech against them. And I'm talking like... Uh, oh, uh, not just... Giant, not, like, I'm talking about like giant robot not just sized. Not just one giant mech, giant but mech. three giant mechs. Oh, there were three of them. Yeah, okay. there were three of them. And not only that, but they have basically the same... Uh, they had the like the same like super robot powers as uh, as Sosuke's mech. Only oh yeah, uh, yeah. They had the uh, let's see. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, the Lambda Driver. <laughs> right, yeah, that thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they deployed three like uh, giant Robo sized mechas, um, and. The people are like, oh, crap, we're all going to die. And one of the people is like, look, I'm just a hired gun. 
I don't actually have any loyalty, so how about we all just mutiny? And we'll just give them Tessa, because that's clearly what they want. And then Tessa over here, like, comes down knowing that someone is going to say that. As like, hey, I heard you talking shit. <laughs> Here's how this is going to work. If you, if you do not apologize immediately and agree to follow my plan, I am going to shoot you in the face. I will kill anyone who doesn't follow my orders. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> and, he, and he's all like, oh, uh. <laughs> that escalated quickly. Yeah, and it's very good. Uh, and it's typically not something you expect to see in a show where, like, the commander is a child. Because usually they win through peace and love and uh, shonen spirit. Whereas Tessa's like, no, I'm the commander. If you commit treason, I will kill you. That's just how it's going to be. Uh, actually, all throughout the episode, Tessa was admirably decisive. You know? Yeah. You know, it's like, you realize, like, yeah, this is why they're letting her command this thing, because she really does know what she's doing. It's amazing. Yeah, well, also, she's like a super special genius child, uh, much like um, uh, the other main character is. Uh, Cheatery. Kaname. Uh, Cheatery, yeah. Cheatery, yeah. Yeah, so she's got, like, the special anime genius new type <laughs> thing going on. Uh, my, possibly my favorite thing about the, Full, the Full Metal Panic series as a whole is the Whispered, and how they just never explain what the hell they are or how what they do. Yeah, like, other it's, than it's, it's a very vague, like, the Whispers are geniuses who can, like, just... They're, like, super inventors or something. Uh, they, yeah. But, the, well, the, ma the manga... <clears throat> the later volumes of the manga actually get to that. Do they oh, finally... Is it, like, a, is it, like, a spoiler, or...? Uh, or is, is it just, just like... them finally getting around to actually explaining what the heck they actually No, they, they finally, yeah, they finally get around to explaining it. Because, like, okay, so... <laughs> like, in the first two seasons, all you get is, like, it's some, like, superpower, and that's it. Yeah. There's, well, like, no but, other details but, as to what exactly but, well, it is, but everyone what, wants it. Well, yeah, what it is, it's, it, it's that the Whispered are basically the source of all the uh, black technology that's that's uh, going around. Okay, I mean so, that's pretty much what we already knew. Yeah, that, they, yeah, yeah no, that they're but, like uh, super. No, they're like secret super geniuses, right? But the yeah, they're later volumes. Later volumes. I, I don't know if I don't know. I think the ser this uh, this season I think is going in a different direction than uh, than I guess the uh, the manga and light novels did. Because. Uh, hmm. Yeah, cause, yeah, cause it's yeah. The, the manga does the manga does different stuff, or and the manga and light novels, I guess. They, but yeah, yeah I mean, the, being the source of the black technology is obvious. That's yeah, yeah, but, uh, thing, but yeah, but the later later volumes explain like like wh wh like where the whispered comes from. Okay. Hmm. One of the things I felt was odd about this sort of direction they took episode two was a big chunk of it is uh, Chidori and Sasuke 
Um, is it Sasuke or Sasuke? Sosuke. I think it's Sasuke. Sosuke. Sosuke. Okay, not the ninja. Um, Chidori and Sosuke running from people trying to capture and or kill Chidori. Uh, and this has happened, you know, in the series before. And Sosuke has killed lots of people before. Uh, but, like, it, it felt weird to me that all of a sudden, like, now Cheatery is super bothered by a bunch of random mooks getting killed. <laughs> um, and granted, like, one of the things that bothers her was a, a civilian gets caught in the crossfire and they have to leave him behind. But also, like, this has happened a bunch of times already, Cheatery. <laughs> uh, not complete, not actually not completely true anyway uh oh. like okay yeah cause like what happened let's see well the second season uh the second season Chittery like in second raid Chittery and Sosuke were mostly separate from me were, were mostly separate yeah they were they were like they went in different directions for most of the season uh and but in like the first season like Let's see, like, the first arc, yeah, they had, like, yeah, uh, Chittery's old class gets kidnapped in order to get, in order to get to them, and, like, Sosuke saves the day, except I think, I think, uh, Chittery was kind of out of it for a bunch, um, if I recall, I might be wrong about this one, because it's been a while, <laughs> uh, and, let's see, uh, let's see, the second arc of the first season didn't have her all in it. That was about, uh, yeah, that was about Sosuke uh, doing his own thing, and the third arc was the uh, the bad guys took over took over the sub. Well, uh, yeah, and right, and then yeah, second raid was yeah them them being kind of separated separated for most of the season. So yeah, there, there was. There was uh, less of like you know, uh, Sosuke murdering people in front of in front of Chittery uh, than you'd think. Okay, I mean maybe my memory is just spotty, but it, it felt like that's something Chittery should have already realized like well before now. Um, yeah, like maybe it is accurate just because I haven't. It's been a long time since uh, I've seen those. Uh, episodes but yeah it just felt kind of a strange direction to go for the series because um, like it's it's been something that it that has been um that has been present but rarely ever actually touched on for quite a while uh like it again maybe i'm just misremembering but uh it never seemed like the sort of Gundam-esque show where it was like, oh, war is hell. Full Metal Panic is weird in the sense that it con it can constantly switch between super goofiness and war is hell. And seemingly does that whenever it pleases. Oh yeah, I guess that's probably true, yeah. Uh, that was mostly um, that was mostly in the first season. Second season was all like war as hell. Yeah, it it's weird. Or second raid, rather. I mean, because technically the second season was Fumofu, which was all comedy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Full Metal Panic is one of those uh, series that, like, I like, but also have reservations about just because it's it makes weird decisions constantly <laughs> yeah uh, um but yeah like i i like these two episodes uh well enough like i think they were some pretty good like mecha action except for man that cgi car chase was rough <laughs> especially when they pan out to show like the cars like sort of just bumping against each other oh that looked real bad look man they gotta save budget for the mech scenes it's true the mechs are cool the mechs are cool though yeah yeah no i agree the mechs still look rad oh <laughs> well, yeah that's the thing is that let's see i think this is done this uh this season is done by zebek who like okay, their their animation in most respects is not the best, but they do mech yeah. pretty well. Yeah, Zepic is one of those studios that whenever I see them, I'm like, oh right, they are the studio that is functional, but will never actually impress you. Yeah, <laughs> they will get the job done, and not much else. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I. I'll give these episodes, um, I'll give them both fours, I guess. Yeah, I liked them well enough. Yep, same here. Although, actually, no, nah, I think I'm going to give episode two a five, just because Tessa was that awesome. <laughs> yeah, I can't, co- I can't quite go that far, but she was definitely a highlight. They're... There, there is a reason other than this being anime that she is in charge. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice when they remind you of that. And not just because, oh, like, yeah, of course, because she's, of course the little girl is in charge in an anime. Um, anyway, moving on to what is apparently Aaron's favorite show of the season, uh, Hisone Tomasotan, episodes one and two. Yeah, A.K.A. Dragon Vore. Yeah, yeah, Dragon Vore. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this show is about the JSDF and their dragon jets. Dragons that are camouflaged as jets and are well, piloted as... by women who get eaten by the dragons so they can, like, push on stomach lining, apparently. Uh, yeah, it's actually very, various aircraft that, are descri- that dragons are descri- disguised as. It's, it's more than yeah, fighters. Yeah, it, it's, uh... It, it is certainly not the premise I was is expecting, given the cutesy art style. Our, our heroine is just brutally blunt. Yeah, I'm not... Like that her. is the one thing about the show I don't care for, is the main character. <laughs> She's so good. I like because she alternates between being just like possibly worse than Shinji in terms of like just getting the getting the goddamn dragon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and just having zero tact at all. I know. It's well, great. she she says it in the monologue that you know she wished she wasn't this way she's mad her parents encouraged her to be this way so you know i i think she's going to work her way through it but watching her work her way through it is hilarious 
Of all the scenes in the episode, like, I'm going to give you a, a chance to talk in a second, Aaron. Sorry, but I just want to mention of all the scenes in the episode, uh, in that first episode, that was like in a show that is written by Mario Okuda, That scene where she literally ex does an exposition of all her personal problems <laughs> is the most Mario Okuda scene in existence. She she just puts it's, everything out. It borders on self-parody, honestly. Well, except for this particular character, I think it works. Because it's clear that for, like, most of the episode, she was, like, hold, like holding things in until she just couldn't take it anymore. I do appreciate that rather than, rather than trying to be more subtle and naturalistic, Mariokita has just leaned into her own faults. Uh, by making a character that who has a problem that is literally just the Mariokita writing style, <laughs> so it's like screw it, I don't need to improve if I can just make if if the main character is just literally how I write. But it's so good. <laughs> I also I, like when they put the equipment on the dragon for the first time. She just like it. It's less of a. This is just, like, cosplay, guys. Yeah, yeah is... I did <laughs> really like that show. And then later, uh, when it finally, like, goes out and transforms, like, it actually does transform into a, a, a jet. Yeah, well, it's after... like a friggin' Autobot. Yeah, after, after she magically punches the fatal switches being bounced around, and then when she has to do it for real, it's like, uh, now wait a minute, how did I do this last time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> This show is so weird and dumb and stupid, and it's great. Well, and, I, I really the, want to be at the pitch meeting where this happened. It's like, I got an idea for an anime. They're like, all right, Tanaka, what is it? <laughs> well, you uh, see. Well, well, you see, anime nerds love dragons, right? Yeah. And they love women who look like little girls, right? Yeah. Yeah. What if we had a dragon eat a little girl and that's how they pilot it? It's like, okay, hold on, stop for a second. <laughs> Go back, please. Oh, so there's the dude with vaping. Yeah, well, and yeah, then, he just has a vape pen. Okay, it, 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 what kind of creative person says, oh, well, in case of emergency, instead of spitting it out, we'll just uh, let it leave through the tail? <laughs> I mean that yeah, makes, I, that gives a new definition to ejection seat. That's another, that's another thing I think that helps helps me not mind Mario Kart's writing nearly as much as I normally would have, just because this show is so bizarre that nothing about it feels real. So I can kind of it can kind of get away with people who don't act like you know normal people. It is Cause so... everything is because everything else is just sort of weirdly surreal and exaggerated. Mm -hmm. well, it... Okay, you know, being the pilot and airplanes, so you know, I'm into anything that's got to do with airplanes. I've watched, but yeah, th this I, this so far is like okay. This takes this takes aircraft training to a whole new um, direction. I'm not going to say high. I'm not going to say low. I'm yeah. just going to say direction. And that yeah, uh, well, and that support guy that's you know uh, the one that was you know was like well yeah I got to readjust your wings and everything else I forgot what his name is but uh, you know 
he's kind of yeah. Take, he, he was the one with the vape pen. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He's he he's kind of taking a shine to our heroine. He's like, oh yeah, she's kind of. And then the other guy's like, I don't care what kind of woman I got to date. There's no way I can date her. I can't even consider her a woman. Blah 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 blah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like by the way, you're my strike zone, Commander. Yeah. It's like, oh God, please. Yeah. No, she said something like, "Well, I hope you strike out." Yeah. Oh. It, it, there, there is some, there is some subtle innuendo. No, there's a lot of. Innuendo. That's another thing that surprised me because, like, when I saw the preview, like, I and I, you probably got, you guys probably remember me saying this when we were doing the spring preview. I'm like, oh, it's about little girls piloting dragons. No, it's not. The, the art style just makes them look like little girls. They're just, they're actually like adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, and it's it, it's like when she first gets there and, and and meets now, and it's like she gives her her uh, uh, strawberry <laughs> her yogurt because she thinks she's a little kid. And of course, when now finds this out, we're we're now we're having to peel her off the ceiling because yeah. she's see that's the, that's the other thing because like kind of everyone is stylized like that. So yeah. So when she says she looks like a little girl, does that mean that, like... Because to me, I can't tell the difference about whether someone is intentionally meant to look like a little girl or when it's just the art style doing it. Well, I think the comment... and So, like, so like I, to me, if she was supposed to look like a little girl, then under this art style, she should look like a literal, like, boss baby, basically. Well, well now, go now, full boss now, baby. Is, now is a little bit shorter than the rest of the cast. So I guess. Oh, okay, so it's a short joke. I well, guess. I I think the other thing is when the guy's measuring her up for the suit, he goes and looks at now and says, "Well, I can't handle this. She's between a B and a C." And Nal's kind of looking down at her chest, going, "Go away! Just go away!" So there, there's, there's, like I said, there's all sorts of. You can definitely tell that Mario Okada had a hand in this, a large hand. It's great. Oh this yeah, is, it's this is the, a yeah. large hand made of ham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to keep this within the range of. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it could slide a few topic grades here, and I don't want it to. <laughs> yeah, I, it, uh, you know, even though like I, I'm giving a lot of guff to Mario Kada, I did really enjoy this show. Um, more than I was expecting I would, so... I'm going to give both episodes fives. Uh, I haven't watched episode two yet, but I'll give episode one a four. Um, the only thing that's sort of holding me back is that I just really did not like the main character in that first episode, but I'm sure she'll get better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, also, I also love the old lady with the yogurts. Uh-huh. The old lady with the yogurts is great. She's the true and the hero. Main, the, the four main character is just like, yes, yeah, she must be here for a reason. She must help me to to overcome my problems. And <laughs> uh, you remember the episode? You remember? It reminds me of uh, Aquarian Evil. You remember mm-hmm. the episode where uh, where like where like the boss uh, sends like you know. Sends the characters a donut, and like they try, yeah. they and they like a and they and they like try like read into it like this like <laughs> all these metaphors and secret messages and everything. 
And, and she's standing there looking at her assistant going, it's a donut. Yeah. I, God, I, I, great evil was good. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, this, this has got all the makings of being good. I don't know if it's the great yet, but it's good. And it's kind of one of the better things that I've seen so far. So maybe that's why I'm a little more praiseworthy on it than... Yeah, I we'll see what happens. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm gonna give the episodes fours. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think yeah. If this ends up being good, just like Aquarian Evil was, then I think it lends credence to the idea. I think all of us have long held is that Marioka should just stay away from like serious dramas and just do like really goofy shit because yeah. <laughs> she's way better suited for that. Mm-hmm. Well, it. it... <laughs> One has to wonder when you see, and I don't want to call her a creative genius, but when you see creation like that, just really what is, what would sitting down and talking to her for an interview for like a half hour or so, how would you feel when you left there? Yeah, I do do wonder uh, who, because like this is an original series, right? It's not based off of manga or light novel or anything, right? Yep. No. yeah, so I kind of wonder who's most responsible for the idea itself, actually. I think it's Mario Okada. Let me check real quick. It is. Oh, yeah, you're right. Series composition and original work. Yeah. So, yeah, Mario Okada was the primary writer for this. Yeah, this, this, is her, this is her brainchild. She also wrote some of the lyrics for the songs. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, and Crane Evil also series composition Mariokita, so she was also the, yeah, well, the primary. Gee, why does this see what does this Ukraine okay? Evil. So why do we feel like we're watching Evil ten years later? Yeah, yeah, no, that's <laughs> there. There are certainly similarities. Uh, just that Evil was much more about being horny. Uh, well, now Masatan. wait a minute. We're we're only into. No, I guess though, I guess Masatan is about vor, so to certain communities. So, and we're only into episode two here, so, you know, just, you know, don't count your chickens till they've all run out of this. That's true. I, I shouldn't speak yeah. too soon. Yeah. Um, Every time we have, we've had to... <clears throat> Never mind. Moving right along. Uh, speak... Yeah, moving to another, like, really good comedy show, Hinamatsuri, episodes one to three, uh, the story of a girl with telekinesis who ends up with a Yakuza caretaker. <laughs> and it's very good. Yes. Um, the ma- like the two leads, the Yakuza and Hina, are fantastic. Uh, and I think it really balances their relationship well because in a lot of shows like this, like either like one side would kind of be the straight man who's always the put upon one. Uh, but in this show that kind of, they, they actually kind of like swap those duties from time to time. So in the first episode, it's largely the Yakuza who is just the straight man trying to put up with this new situation in his life. Yeah. Uh, but then you get, uh, but then you get a part in one of the later episodes where uh, he's going to clubs all the time, going to girly clubs, meeting women, and she's stuck at home with, like, canned fish for dinner all the time and, like, going, like, what is he doing? 
I need oh. to find out why he's <clears throat> neglecting me. And then he just like and and then they just all go to a girly club together. Literally all the main characters and supporting cast just go to a girly club and drink a bunch of champagne. And, and it's and, the best. Well, and the her one high school uh or I guess high school, yeah, high school uh, uh, learns ju- to be a bartender. They're in junior high at this point. Well, ju- okay, close enough. But she learns how to be a bartender, and then the interaction when her homeroom teacher walks in and finds her tending bar, and she manages to tap dance her way around it so skillfully. I'm like, that was so good. I'm like, yeah, oh boy. Oh, I love that scene with her tending bar. Well, okay. So the thing about that is like. It's not just her tap dancing out of it. It's that it's the fact that it's the fact that the teacher doesn't want to call her on it because it would make him look bad in front of the school. Um, yeah, that's the principal sitting next to him, isn't it? Yeah, the principal sort of it's like, wait, <clears throat> it, it's like yeah, just pretend you didn't see that because uh, if you do, if you do, it's gonna look bad. It's gonna look really bad for the school. Well, he, he's sitting there balancing that head teacher's position over his head. He says, well, wait a minute, didn't you? Oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm wrong. Never mind. I, that's, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, really, Hitomi is my favorite character of this whole show. Yeah. Yes. Hitomi is pretty good. Yeah, Hitomi is the best character in the uh, in the, the show or manga. Well, yeah, the manga, later, chapter, of later so chapters of the manga have her, her doing even crazier things. And it's, yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> She's really good. Yeah, yeah. I like how low key she is, uh, but she still like she's she's very much the sort of dry humor aspect of the show. Whereas everyone else is kind of like very goofy, but she's got sort of that British style humor going on, where she's usually pretty low key, and <clears throat> the humor is mostly just in the absurdity of the things that she is doing. Like, just very calmly and dryly. Well, well, actually, even the the uh, the uh, Nita's uh, the Yakuza's uh, his reactions are not as exaggerated as you as as uh, other shows would have them be. Yeah, that's definitely something I appreciate as well. There's not it doesn't really do the sort of like nani reaction shots where like someone repeats the joke like while shouting it or something or makes it or like explains the joke to the audience. Yeah, the, the, the comedic uh, timing of the show is spot on. Yeah, also just the the reactions they use are are very good. Um especially like the one of my favorite parts actually was in uh when Hina meets the other telekinetic, I can't remember her name, the blonde Anzu. one. Anzu. Anzu, right, yeah. When Hina meets Anzu and they have the John Ken Pone battle. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, the scenes of them trying to telekinetically move each other's heads, like, that is some great animation on the faces. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, I just appreciate that I think it was the end of episode two when Nita <clears throat> gets stuck in the capsule. Yes. Or was that the end of episode one? I that was that was le- that was late in episode one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he gets stuck in the capsule, and then 
uh, Hina frees him, and then they just straight up, he straight up does the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator pose. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite bits, one of my favorite bits was when, uh, <clears throat> was when, when he meet, when, uh, Nita meets Anzu, and, like, you know, and, like, you know, figures out, like, you know, yeah, that she's basically been, like, you know, you know, Rob basically stealing food from all over, uh, and, and, and he, he has this bit where he imagines uh, Hina as, like, just, like, this hungry, ravenous monster. <laughs> you know, imagining, like, what Hina would do if she didn't have any, if she didn't have any food. And, and he's like, whoa, I think I just saved the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, ravenous appetite and Hina, yeah, those are two things that uh, you could be, uh, be uh, on, on the lookout for. But yeah, I I really like this show. It's it's probably not one that we're going to be reviewing much on the podcast, just because, as usual with comedy shows, uh, we spent most of this time just talking about jokes we liked. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, I, I do want to mention that the animation, like, it's genuinely a very pretty show. Like, a lot of times with comedies, uh, it sort of lives and dies based on the humor um, and sort of... It doesn't put a whole lot into the animation, which, honestly, a lot of the time they can't because comedies don't tend to get very good budgets anyway. Um, but this show actually looks very good. Um, it's a it's a very it's a very good looking show in addition to being <clears throat> extremely funny. Well, uh, so I highly recommend it to basically anyone. <laughs> Well, okay. Another thing, which is actually cause, which actually lifts it above like the usual comedy, is uh, in episode three, uh, where uh, you know it has Anzu on her own, and it deals with the issue of homelessness. Yeah, yeah, and like it, it does actually occasionally get a little serious. Like it never goes <clears throat> super far into drama, but it. Again, much like one of our other favorite comedies from the past seasons, um, uh, Dragon Maid, uh, it, like it does occasionally have sort of more serious, heartfelt moments and tries to actually make a point. Yeah, I'm with you. So anyway, I'm giving these episodes fives. Yeah, yeah. I can I can live through that. Hundred percent agree. Um, anyway, let's move on to, uh, My Hero Academy Season 3, Episodes 2 and 3. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, in terms of the overall, uh, in terms of the overall show, it's, uh, Episodes 40 and 41. Right, yeah. I've, I'll probably go back to doing the proper numbering later, I just couldn't be bothered to look it up this time. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, episodes uh, 40 and 41 uh, cover the boot camp. Um, these episodes were like, okay. Um, I'm, tr- I'm struggling to find things to say about My Hero Academy. Um, not because I don't like it anymore, like, I still enjoy it, 
but also it's definitely at least for these first two episodes it was definitely it felt it didn't feel as sort of creative because um, it was very much like a, oh they're going to boot boot camp but surprise they have to fight things that the teachers cooked up and now the teachers are having them exercise their quirks which basically just means they're using their quirks a lot in extreme conditions which like i mean yeah that makes logical sense but doesn't really make for super interesting television yeah it it actually got interesting at the end of episode three yeah so at the end of episode three uh the villains show up uh in the middle of what's supposed to just be like a kind of fun uh scary haunted woods competition um but yeah, like a lot of episodes two and three were kind of just the kids at boot camp, and like sometimes the interactions are pretty good. Um, the ones in particular that stand out to me are uh, at the when they're making food, and someone's asked Bakugo to light a fire, and he's like, "Screw that! I I'm not gonna light a goddamn fire," and just blows up the stove, the grill. Yeah, camp. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. I can't think of what those um, are called, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, the sort of outdoor grill. Mm-hmm. Um, I also appreciate Ida, just because I always appreciate Ida being the one person who is very, very serious. <laughs> right, because he's... <laughs> like, un- unflinchingly serious. Yes. He's the painfully earnest class president character. Yeah, and I you, love him. He and, tries. He tries his best. And then you have, you know, you have uh, the uh, the child whose parents were heroes and both killed together. And then uh, uh, Mineta climbing the wall to see the girls and finding him at the top of it. Yeah, it was when they when he got his butt dumped oh, back. It was friggin' like, Mineta. Oh. Like I appreciate Kota being there to uh, punch Mineta in the face, but. I, I just don't want him to be there anymore. At no point has Medetta added anything worthwhile to the show that couldn't have been done by a character who was not a piece of garbage. Um, but yeah, I... Aaron, I don't know what to do. I don't know, like... Uh, Kota's backstory was... Like, it, it's a decent thing to explore, but also it feels like it's being handled in the most cliche way possible. Um, so it just doesn't end up being particularly interesting to me. Especially because I don't really have any inherent like for Kota to begin with, so I kind of don't care about him. <laughs> like, and, and, sorry. <laughs> and the... the uh... Where Deku goes, you know, uh, I was hoping all for one would be here, and and uh, Eraser tells him, no, 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 he he's a target. We we don't we're not bringing him here. Blah blah. blah. And yeah, uh, you mean All Might? The, uh, all for one. All the, Might. Yeah. All for one. Well, okay, all I, for one's the big bad. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. Whatever. But uh, it's Friday and it's late. My brain hurts. Uh, but you know, uh, the uh, the half and half character is like. So what would you wanted him for? Well, I was hoping he could talk to the kid and talk some sense into him. He says, hey, you know, you have a tendency to stick your nose sometimes where it doesn't belong. Most of the time you come out smelling like a rose, but he says, I think you should shy away from this one. Run. Yeah, I, I 
the one thing I did like about the whole Kota subplot is Todoroki <clears throat> giving like, and ver- this very rarely actually happens in um, shonen shows unless it's to specifically prove the person giving the advice wrong. Uh, but I appreciate that Todoroki points out like, hey, you know, you don't really have like you have no idea how this kid feels like you literally have not lived what this kid has lived you know maybe saying platitudes to him is not going to help and is actively going to make things worse um so you should probably actually put some thought into how you want to approach him if it's even your role to approach him about this uh, uh yep. and the show treating Todoroki as at least so far, it seems to me like treating Todoroki as like giving reasonable advice. Because usually, when someone says that to the main character, they're they are in the wrong, and all the main character has to do is push through it with the spirit of friendship. Uh, but in real life, you know, sometimes you sometimes you can't say the right thing, and it's not your job to change someone's opinion. <laughs> Yeah. And some people don't want to be swayed. Yeah, well, structurally, these episodes were basically just set up. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and so, next episode is, yeah, that's when, <laughs> that's when things get, that's when it gets real. Supposedly yeah, the big so, bad hits the fan. Uh, so I'm going to give both of these episodes threes. Um, they were fine. Uh, you know, there were some good moments, but also... It was like there's a lot of stuff that felt just like yep this is shonen stuff that isn't like super creative or interesting um it felt like half of it felt like it was forced some of it yeah that's for sure i'm gonna give them fours i thought they were solid i think for once i'm with dusty i like threes i wasn't i mean there was (laughs) there there was a couple of places but you know overall well, I guess maybe because there wasn't a whole lot of All Might. That's true. Yeah, All, um, Might, All Might has a tendency to 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 raise the uh, show a little bit. But anyway, yeah, so on. All right, uh, moving on to Caligula episodes two and three. Um, speaking of fairly paint by numbers, uh, though Caligula episodes two and three felt less like sort of paint-by-numbers shonen and more like paint-by-numbers young adult novel. Um, like, it's still a decent show. Um, I still, you know, in, like, it's not boring to me. Like, I'm still mostly enjoying myself while I'm watching it. Uh, but also, so far, uh, at least not since the first episode that introduced some, like, some pretty interesting things. Um... It hasn't done a whole lot of uh, other stuff with that premise, um, other than kind of like that neat instance near the end of episode two, where it's revealed that like some stuff just doesn't exist because the AI hasn't created uh, anything past that point yet. Yeah. So it's like, sorry, it's still loading. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I haven't finished uh, making stuff beyond this point yet. Could you uh, turn back around and do something else? Mm. Yeah. So, like that stuff was kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I'm not actually. I'm 
I can't even remember if I actually did watch episode three now. I know it I was watched with the two. tea party. Yeah, no, I don't think I did watch three. Yeah, I think I watched two, and I was like, "Yeah, this is fine," but I, I think I prefer to catch up on other stuff. Yeah, uh, and then I just never got around to three. Uh, yeah, I watched three. And I'm skimming through it, and this episode is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets a little weird with the tea party. Right, yeah, because I guess what they were trying to do was they were trying to kind of uh, kind of uh, use a psychological pressure to get the yeah to get that girl to fall in line. Yeah, except I didn't quite work. I'm going to guess failed miserably would be a, uh... Mm-hmm. Well, f- from what I'm looking at right now, it just seems very over the top. Yeah, the Tea Party itself was, yeah. It was okay, um, but I don't think we need to talk about this anymore. Anyway, I still find the show interesting. I'm going to give them fours. Uh, I'm going to give episode two a three, I think. Yeah, we're going to give them threes as well. Like I said, unless it drastically improves, I don't think we need to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Um, Let's uh, talk about Golden Cowboy, episodes two and three. Um, I think, Ben, uh, you're the only one who got around to it this week. I was going to, uh, but, man, I underestimated how many shows I actually had to watch. Uh, <laughs> so it didn't quite make the cut. Yeah, well, yeah. So, <clears throat> right. So, so yeah. In these episodes, they have some run-ins with uh, they have they have some run-ins with the uh, this uh, unit of the Japanese army that's also looking for the treasure. Uh, and some of the yeah, some of the some of, like the army characters are. Are pretty are, are pretty interesting. They have like like uh, like the leader of the uh, the army unit that's after them. It has like this like really freakish character design. Yeah, and and it's sort of except it's not completely unrealistic because he's like. You know, because he was a guy who, he got injured in the war, so he's got, like, you know, like, a steel plate in his head, and all kinds of, like, wounds all over, and... Anyway, you, you, you just gotta see it to... Uh, to appreciate it. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> and... Right. And, let's... But, I think, the like, the heart of these episodes is kind of... Is the uh, is uh, Sugimoto, you know, getting to know getting to know Asirpa and uh, her Ainu culture, and I think uh, those elements are really great. It's like there's this bit where it's like there's this bit where uh, you know where like they make they make soup or you know she makes uh, she makes this. Uh, 
you know, Stu Foreman, you know, he's like, hey, you know what would be really great? Is if we had miso. So he, he's like, uh, adding miso? And, uh, and the girl's like, that looks like, that looks like poo. <laughs> and he's a, and, such an such an honest opinion. Yeah. And I guess it kind of can. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, like, is it still? Um, uh, do you think it's still worth uh, uh, interesting enough to talk about on the podcast? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, like because yeah. Yeah, because like a lot of what's interesting about a lot of what's interesting about this show is kind of like the anthropological perspective. Uh, it has you know on uh, you know on uh, Ainu culture and society because like yeah, there's this bit in uh, episode three when uh, uh, Sugimoto goes and meets uh, Asirpa's family. You know, and, yeah, that that is, that is something I was wondering about was like how much does it focus on um, the Ainu? Because that did seem like an interesting thing to actually explore. Because yeah, very few shows like you know in 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 any sort of um, first world culture ever seem to actually put much focus on indigenous populations like. It isn't just Japan. Like, it's it's America as well. It's the entire West, like, yeah. tend to give indigenous people the short shrift. Yeah. Yeah, also, uh, yeah, also, it turns out, uh, it turns out one of the people that's, uh, one of the people that's after the treasure is a, uh, is a, uh, is a real historical figure. Uh, because it turns out, because it turns out that one of the prisoners, although he doesn't have he doesn't have tattoo he doesn't have the tattoos, but uh, he was uh, he was in the prison when they when all the prisoners broke out. Uh, one of the prisoners is actually uh, let's see uh, Toshizo Hijikata, who was uh, who in you know in our history he was killed uh, he was killed uh, you know in the uh, Basically, in the wars that led to the Meiji Restoration. Uh, but, uh, but in this one, he's, uh, you know, he was just presumed dead, and he's actually alive and running around Hokkaido. <laughs> and, huh. Yeah, he, he was like the, uh, he was, he was the second in command of the Shinsengumi. Which is a, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I yeah. know that from Kenshin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as well you should. Right. Um yeah, he he's he's kind of interesting. And so he's uh he's tracking he's trying you know, he's tracking down the uh you know, the skins of the prisoners to get the to get the treasure. So it's Yeah, so all So it's turning into like this it's, so it's turning into like this like multi-sided struggle where you have like this army unit you have uh, Hijikata and his crew and you have Sugimoto and Asirpa yeah it's definitely a show I want to catch up on I just did not have uh, 
the time I underestimate or more to be more, to be more accurate I underestimate the amount of time I would actually need uh, so yeah. I'm trying to anyway. be better about making that work yeah anyway I'm giving these episodes fives it's a all right it's a great show uh, moving on to loop on the third uh, part five episodes three and four um, which were very fun uh, but I really do not care with the addition they made to uh, the hacker's backstory. Um, I felt the uh, I felt the specifics of like her initial abuse were a bit much. <laughs> Because I think is episode three or four when she talks about like uh, what she was doing uh, uh, when she was a child before she went into the um, uh, before she became a hacker. Yeah, it was episode three. Yeah. Although it kind of, <laughs> although I kind of. Although it does, it does make uh, her like it does inform her 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 bluntness in the way she uh, in the way she talks to Lupin. I mean, maybe um, I think there are different backstories you could use other than abducted by a child pornographers if you want to like explain why she has a blunt personality. True. Um, I don't think sex abuse is necessary for that. Um, I think just, like, being kidnapped is enough to make it clear why she, uh, isn't really socialized that well, um, without the added squeakiness of, oh yeah, they took pictures of me naked, um, when I was, like, eight. Um, yeah, so I, as much as I like this arc in general, I think episode three went a little too far with the backstory there, especially since it doesn't really inform anything and they don't really deal with the specifics of that kind of situation. And it's more just to make her story seem like double extra tragic. Um, yeah, it's, uh, but other than that, like, I did really enjoy this sequence of episodes. Um, especially Fujiko, Fujiko showing up and being like, yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna kill you myself, P.S. Because <laughs> I want that money, and I kind of don't care that much about you. <laughs> <clears throat> um, which is probably gonna end up being like, oh, she wasn't actually gonna shoot him, but on the other hand, like... I wouldn't blame Fujiko for not caring enough about Lupin to shoot him in the face for money. Because Lupin's kind of been a dick, basically, the entire time. <clears throat> um, but yeah, this this was this has so far been a pretty fun adventure, and I am really fascinated. I'm really interested to know how they're gonna like, what the illusion is uh, in episode four. Because, like, in episode four, 
the cliffhanger is Lupin l- just gets shot through the head by a bullet. Um, well, okay. <laughs> One thing. Uh, clearly the sniper was Jigen. Uh, you could tell... Uh, by the, uh, there was a sh- there was one, sh- there was a shot where, which showed, uh, you know, a little bit of his, a little bit of his, a little bit of his, of his, his mouth with his, with his, uh, cigarette, with his cigarette dangling out of it, uh, when, when they showed the sniper. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was jigging. Okay, yeah. That, it would also... Also, it's clearly going to be that, like, obviously he's not dead, but clearly the uh, plan was going to be that he was going to fake his death, um, and they had bet on that day beforehand because they make a point of mentioning that uh, no one ever shares the same, no one ever bets on the same day as anyone else uh, because they don't want to share the money. So they clearly made a bet for a particular day and then faked his death so they could just get the money. <laughs> because that's how because that's precisely what Lupin would do. Yep. What gets um, yeah, what what actually gets me about the uh, about these episodes is uh how uh, violent they get. Like yeah, like even though the death is clearly faked like they straight up showed the bullet going through, like in silhouette, and the blood splatter. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Also, most of those assassins flat out got killed off. Oh yeah, hundred percent. There's a lot of people dying. <laughs> I mean, they like they, it, they totally have. It's still very like a comedic show, but there's a lot of people dying. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, totally had it coming too. Uh, but oh yeah, certainly. Um. I mean, Goemon himself, like, slices people up. Right. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll give episode three of four and episode four of five. Uh. Um, I'm really marking, really the only reason I'm marking episode three down is because of, like, the really unnecessary addition to her backstory. <laughs> it's like, what I... What I also really, really loved in was in episode four, when uh, it, it would has like uh, you know uh, Ami, uh, Ami, uh, Lupin, and Zenigata are like on the run for the army, and and Ami is like actually uh, is like, are you like in love with each other? <laughs> to oh yeah. Uh, also does that with uh, also do, also does that with uh, Jigen and Lupin when they're uh, when they're like uh, having a meal together, which I thought that was uh, <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that. Like everyone thinks Lupin is just going to be straight up a womanizer, and he's like, no, she's a child. I have standards. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm still really enjoying Lupin. It's a really fun show. Yeah, uh, despite its stumbles. So I'm gonna give the yeah, I'm gonna give I'm, these fives. All right. Um, on to Megalobox episodes two and three, and uh, man, this show is still really rad. 
Yes. Uh, he gets... Uh, he, Joe gets super wrecked. Uh, or I guess Junk Dog. He eventually chooses the name Joe uh, for um, nostalgia reasons. Because, again, same from the same people who did Ashton No Joe. Uh, but, yeah, Junk, Go- Junk Dog gets super wrecked in his fight uh, with the antagonist. And, yeah, it was kind of, uh, in some sense, a moral victory. Because he actually forced Yuri to... Yuri to actually go to go all out and use both of his arms to beat him yeah yeah you know, it, yeah also also it's like one of the only times he's lost because someone was just straight up better than him and not because he actually threw the fight yeah right yeah. Again, like another thing I appreciate is that um the antagonist even though he has like better equipment, uh it's not like he's using that as a crutch. He, he still like trains just as hard as the main character does. Yeah, and yeah, he, he So it, so it's not like he's buying his way to success. Yeah, his skills are the real deal. Also, they have a very good dog. <laughs> I like that dog. You also hard is that a? I can't tell. Is that a diff, just differently colored Shiba Inu, or is it like a husky? I don't know. Because it kind of looks like a husky. Anyway, I'll figure it out later. I don't know dog breeds. Um, yeah, <laughs> I do. Ask me anything about dog breeds. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, I also like, uh, episode three, I like the kid character they introduced there, um, who actually knows stuff about technology and is like, yo, um, you're, you're fighting, uh, like, your manager is giving you shitty advice, let me help you and get this special gear for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, in episode four, you'll see how far it gets them. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah in episode three like the gear that they steal like immediately breaks <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's a little anticlimactic uh but also i did like the scene of uh junk dog just uh, dodging by a razor's edge and just uh do it landing a really solid uppercut on the villain um I really like how the the fight scenes are framed, and I still really like the animation style. It's it's not an art style you see very often. Yeah, fun fact: uh, the same studio that's doing this uh, also is doing Lupin. Oh yeah, yeah. Actually, now that you mentioned, I can definitely see some similarities, um, especially like with a lot of the faces, like the faces themselves, much like in Lupin. Um, though not quite to the same extent as Lupin, are not super sharp uh, in the way that a lot of anime studios are drawing faces. Well, that's because... Okay. Well, that's because... It's not just because... It's not just because they're they're done by the same studio. Because uh, this studio also is doing Yoobushi Petal, 
which has totally different art style. Now, what, what, oh, yeah, what's relevant true. here is the time period that the original source comes from. Because... Uh, yeah, they're trying to evoke when that style of animation, where that character style was more popular. Yeah, yeah, because... Uh, right, because the original, like, the original mangas for uh, Lupin and Ashita no Jo, which Megalobox is obviously an homage to... Um, yeah. Uh, the original mangas came out, like, in the late 60s. And the anime adaptations came out in the early 70s. Yeah, I, I do admit I have... Uh, I do have a lot of nostalgia for that sort of character design. Um, for both that and also, like, the character designs that came out of the 80s, where uh, also everyone just had the wildest hair. Uh, and not in a typical, like, everything is spikes way, but, like, just sort of bubblegum crisis, uh, dirty pair style, everyone has a wicked perm. Because, uh, <laughs> like, it, it's... I think part of it just is because just uh, a lot of character design is... Even if um, the studio has managed to put their own unique sort of spin on it, a lot of character designs these days are very samey. Um... And it would just be nice to see more studios harken back to uh, older styles of designing those characters. Just to have, like, some variety. <laughs> uh, it's something I miss. Well, uh, which, I, which I remember, like, I talked about back when we were, uh, during the previous uh, Bakugas recording, when we were talking about the character designs in LOGH. Uh, just how much, how much they've changed uh, in the remake. Uh, yeah. Well, what gets me about what gets me about Megalobox, in more than just yeah the the character animation, is the the art style, of the backgrounds, and and just like the way it evokes the way it evokes this kind of uh, basically poverty stricken world. I that I think. That part really, uh, it really works for me. Yeah, yeah, it does a good job of showing kind of a a mildly dystopian future um, that seems plausible as opposed to just, like, ridiculous cyberpunk or the typical, like, oh, or, like, typical sort of zombie style where, like, oh, civilization has completely collapsed. It's like, no... Things are still pretty great if you're rich. It just kind of sucks to be rural and poor, which is kind of already where we're at right now. <laughs> Honestly, it's just a little more. They're just a little further down that line. Yeah. Which in which in turn enhances the plausibility. Yeah, it feels like it feels wholly like a world that we could go down to, uh, including like the whole idea behind Megalobox, which is basically just like, okay, what if we made boxing more of a blood sport by adding robot arms to the mix? Which, I mean, people, depending on how things like the NFL go in terms of concussions, you know, I can plausibly see a future where people decide, like, oh, you know, it's fine if we just let people murder themselves for our amusement. Or we make it to Rock'em Sock'em Robots. 
Yeah. Um. So yeah, Megalobox, still very good. I'll give both these episodes fives. Fives, definitely. All right, Steins Gate Zero, episode two, uh, because episode three came out a little too late for me to uh, get around to it. Um, was largely about uh, uh, Kyoma trying to, like, sort of having discussions and interactions with um, the two scientists. Um, and also just being extremely awkward around uh, digital Krisu and sort of not knowing how to react to the fact that a Kurisu exists who doesn't really remember him at all but still acts like Kurisu. <laughs> yeah. And I love this episode. I This show is so far, it's just totally firing on all cylinders. I'm... I... Yeah, it was it was really good. I also like the um, new female scientist they introduced, uh, the short one. Um, I really like her a lot. Uh, I like the. Uh, I really enjoy the extremely earnest American sidekick scientist, <laughs> <laughs> and his uh, and his accent. <laughs> he gets even better in the third episode. Oh yeah, yeah. It's... I. He's delightful. Episode two. Um, he just, he, 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 he immediately, uh, uh, becomes friends with Okri and is like, he just, he just wants to be friends with him so badly. <laughs> uh, my buddy. He's a total weeb. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. But you know what? I mean. He is the dork, I... he may be the dorkiest person on the show, which is saying something. Well, you know, here's the thing. Um, I mean, but I love him. America, Americans have been portrayed in interesting <clears throat> veins by the Japanese. This one is almost believable. Almost. I think one one of my favorite depictions of what an American is is uh, I'm not sure if you remember Yakutate Japan all that much, mm -hmm. but the American on that show was just like a busty blonde who weared a just american flag bikini at all times mm -hmm. and chewed bubble gum uh and seduced the japanese samurai stereotype yakutate japan was a wild show uh but yeah i uh, I, I do that's like how you this, wanted to describe this. that yeah it's, okay i oh man it's been a while since i read the manga for that i never watched the show but i read the manga really enjoyed it but yeah, yeah I, I, I do appreciate this depiction of an American as well-meaning, but possibly too eager. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, the, the typical portrayal of Americans, uh, you know, th this, this is, like I said, this is an acceptable, not perfect, no, but it is an acceptable portrayal. It's... It it's about as good as the American accent I saw in Godzilla. So, um, I also one one touch I really liked is that uh, the Christina AI 
is animated in CG, which is very appropriate. Um, I like that they use the, the CGI thematically like that. Uh, she kind of reminds me of the Kazuna AI, like the CG, like AI CG character YouTube uh, Let's Player. Um, <laughs> so now all I'm just imagining is uh, Christina having her own Twitch channel. <laughs> oh. It's like, hi, it's Christina. We're gonna play some player unknown battlegrounds. <laughs> Also, I apologize for my dogs. Oh, that's all right. It, you know, at least people know that that you know that this is not staged. The dog, the dogs do not have yeah. cue cards. Actually, wait. If Christina was gonna do a let's play, she'd definitely do Kerbal Space Program. What am I saying? Well, well also she, also she totally crush it. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> it would not be hard for her. Uh, well, well you, yeah. you need you need to watch episode three because uh, I got things floating yeah. through my mind I can't say because I do not want to ruin episode three for you. I know. Look, it's yeah, not yeah, like I good. didn't watch episode three because I just didn't want to. Oh, I know. It came I out know. two days ago. <laughs> hey, you know what? Some people have to work for a living. Uh, well, yeah, but uh, what got me about this episode is how, like, uh, let's see, I think... Uh, the uh, the uh, the short uh, let's see, the short scientist girl. Um, oh, okay, I'm uh, glad I'm not the only one who can't remember uh, her name. Majo is up on ANN. Yeah, Majo, I think her name was. Uh, let me check. Anyway, what I liked about the, this episode was the way uh, it showed how she reacts to uh, to uh, Okarin having known uh. You know, Karisu. Karisu. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, oh, wait a minute. How well did you know? Her? We start with the how well did you know her questions. Yeah. And. Yeah, and it's also, you know, you know, having like, you know, and Okarin being like incredibly reluctant to say, you know incredibly reluctant to reveal like just how much he loved her well yeah because like if he revealed that it wouldn't really make sense because in like the actual timeline he's in now they only really met for a little bit so if he actually mentioned what his well how he felt about her and what what her, his relationship with her actually was he seemed like a weird creepy stalker Right, except, which she, uh, she or, or of, he would have to hope that she would accept the uh, explanation of oh, I can time travel. Well, yeah, except yeah. that, except that, like, well, except what got her, like, you know, except what got uh, Majo interested in the first place is the fact is the is the way he, uh, you know, is the way he explained, uh, you know, Karisu's theory. It's like, wait, how did you know that? Because she didn't publish that, <laughs> you know. Oh, wait a minute! Uh, haven't yeah. you jumped episodes there yet? I no, that was an, that was an ep- no, no. We're still in two. That was, yeah, okay. that was two. Yeah. Oh, see, it's a problem with that. I watched them together and I let them blend in my mind because I figured we'd be reviewing them both, and it's like, no, yeah, I, that'll happen. And I can't get them separated, so that's why I'm kind of going. 
Continue, yeah. folks. I'm sorry. Episode two was good, especially with the introduction of uh, Digit Castrina. Yes. And then episode three was really, really good. Yes. Five. Well, the, the the thing that I that I'm still dealing with is is mother and daughter not knowing that their mother. Well, daughter knowing that she's mother, and it's like I'm trying to figure out. I think actually in this time stream, daughter is actually older than mother. So that's that's got to even be more of a, you know, it's like it'll be fine. Yeah, I know it'll be fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, her name is uh, Maho Hiajo, by the way. Maho. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're close. You were combining her first name with her last name. Yeah, I knew there was a J in there. Well, it's it, it, with us things like that. If we're within the ballpark, it usually works. Yeah. Right. So yeah, the uh, the new characters are great. The old characters are great, and I am just I am thrilled by this show. I'm giving it a five. Yeah, it's very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give it a five as well. Oh yeah, I, if I don't give it a five, I won't be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds All strange, right. but don't worry also, about it. I'm still saddened by the fact that Mayushi literally caused World War Three. <laughs> Good job, Mayushi. Yes, yes, your tutu caused World War Three. Are you pleased with yourself now? Yeah. Well, I've seen worse things cause wars, so yeah, whatever. Just, just imagine her face smiling at you as the bombs fall. <laughs> like that's just their their warning alarm now. Yeah, yeah, that's the air raid siren. Yeah, uh, it, yeah it's. <laughs> think I just made the next new horror anime. Uh, moving on to Sword Art Online Alternative, Gungale Online, Episodes 2 and 3. Oh god, Another all one the that I was meaning to watch the, uh, but didn't get to. The, uh, the Umi things, or whatever the hell, the ball thing she gets. Yes. Though I did have a really funny interaction on Twitter about the second episode, where uh, where um, sp- one of my friends on Twitter, specifically Luke, uh, retweeted a um, retweeted a post someone made uh, taking screenshot screenshots from Sword Art Online with the uh, lady uh, with the main character uh, talking about her height. Yes, and uh, Luke was like, "So is and Luke famously." Uh, has a fetish for um, large women, for giant women, <laughs> and so he was making a joke about like, "Oh, is this is this what the show is about? Is a is size changing and stuff like that?" Um, and I was like, "No, it's not." Uh, also, uh, also a surprise. You like sort because he then asked like, "So what's this from?" Oh yeah, he specifically asked, "What's this from?" And I got to say, surprise, Sword Art Online. <laughs> and he's like, gasp. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So that felt pretty good. Yeah, it was... Uh... Yeah, I think the show would be kind of a disappointment for him because there's not enough of the... Uh, there's not enough of uh, Karen in real life. <laughs> so Which, far. It seems like Karen in real life would be like just his character, just his type. 
Well, you know, I just don't remember if it was the anime or an article I read, but at her height, which is six foot, she would be in the 0.1% of Japanese women as far as height goes. <clears throat> so, yeah, that's, that's a height that most Japanese women don't see. Where in this country, walking across a six-foot person of any gender is like, oh, yeah, that happens, usually on a daily I... basis. <laughs> That's just my life. Yeah. Um, anyway, so for the ep- actual episode, how, how, episodes, how were they? Uh, were good. they an improvement or about the same? Oh, they're definitely uh, an improvement over the original. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, but, oh no, well, yeah, versus the first obviously. episode, but, no, but versus like okay, the first episode well, stru- was already an improvement. Okay, structurally, structurally, it turns out that episode one is in media res, and so episode two starts from the beginning and basically shows uh, shows Karen's like, you know, you know, shows Karen getting into VR gaming and and getting into Gun Gale. Which wasn't her first choice. Okay, so so it's kind of like a a sort of a a prequel to well, not a prequel, but like the first episode kind of took place a little farther on along the timeline. Yes, yes. And you Mm -hmm. know, uh, every every game she tried when she'd make the character, they were always tall. And finally, when she (laughs) went into Gun Gale, well, when she transferred from Elf, which she was a tall elf when she her friend told her to try going over to Gungale. When she transferred over, poof, short. And then we come to find out that the pink is perfect camouflage for the desert. So she became the pink death because she's running around in all this pink stuff and nobody can see her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she became a bit of a famous PKer because she's this tiny little thing wearing perfectly camouflaged for this specific zone yeah and she was she was getting quite the reputation in fact she was having to hide herself when she went into town so you know people wouldn't uh i don't know if this is like uh sword art where you can't have combat in town but uh, i kind of got the feeling that if she showed up people figured out who she was there would be combat in town yeah although i do not buy I do not buy that it would be impossible for her to tweet for for her to customize her avatar in any game because come on. Well, I think wasn't that a plot point in the first Gun Gale where like he got Kirito got randomly assigned an avatar? Yes. Yeah, you're randomly assigned. Yes, and which like yeah, I agree. That's super dumb and no, like I think the only like the only MMOs that don't allow you to customize your avatar. Um, are sort of the a lot of the free to play Korean and Chinese MMOs that have like a set uh, have like a specific set of avatars you can use and that's it. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of Dragon ne- Dragon Nest, which I played a little bit of. But even then, like you, even then, like that that means that you don't have that no one has variety. You basically have like <clears throat> five different characters to choose from and like you can change like the colors of their hair and stuff and that's about it yeah Um, i think how it's supposed to work in the in the games running off of the seed or whatever is that it's random for each game that you join and it's linked to your account and then i think it's something i i imagine it's something like you can buy a microtransaction to to redo it or something 
Yeah, probably. Friggin'. Like, you can customize the character that you get, but you can't completely redo it without paying. This is the horrible capitalist future that loot boxes have wrought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Th this is the future of microtransactions. Yeah. Even yeah. buying the game only gets you one character. Yeah, well, if you want to make a different one, you got to buy something else. Well, and yeah, in the current game I play, I am learning to stay away from the gem store. You want to talk about making money disappear in a hurry. Yeah. Rapidly. I play gotcha games. I know. Rapidly. <laughs> hey, well, you know, I got my griffin, but my griffin cost me 250 gold. Yeah, <laughs> for a boyd. I got a boyd for 250 gold. Uh, oh, yeah. By the way, uh, yeah, one of the shows this season, Last Period, is actually a parody of Gotcha Games. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. <laughs> I've only seen the first episode so far, but it's got some pretty... It had some pretty good... Uh, it had some pretty good, uh, pretty good shots at uh, at gotcha game tropes. Yeah, I, I mean, got there are some gotcha games themselves that make fun of themselves. I'm specifically thinking of Fate Grand Order, that literally makes comics about like gotcha game tropes, because um, they're self aware in how terrible they are. <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, do you uh, have anything else you'd like to say about Sora Online? Mm, uh, no, it, did it's... You pretty much cover it. it it's, it's looking like it's going to be interesting. As long, as, right. as, long uh, as Kirito doesn't show up, we're good. Yeah, I think... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, so structurally, like, with the show is, like, where... Where Sword Art was kind of a, uh, Sword Art was kind of, you know, the original Sword Art was kind of like a uh, Isekai-ish adventure. Uh, this is more of a character study. And uh, a sports show, in a way. You know, because Gun Gale is, you know, because Gun Gale is treated as like an eSport. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like it's effectively SAO in sort of flavor only. Yeah. They're basically taking the existing franchise and doing their own thing. Because mm -hmm. the show would not get nearly as much money if it wasn't branded as a sort of online Exactly. Because that's the... Well, and the, that's the post-apocalypse we live in. Well, well, and the, and the <laughs> other thing is, in in the intro, they say they finally improved the the game gear to where if you, oh, and that's the one thing where where she's uh, got the game gear on, and if your heart rate and everything goes nuts, the game gear kicks you out. She's laying in bed making characters, and they're all getting big, and she's getting upset, and the game's throwing her on the floor and disconnecting oh, yeah. her. It's like <laughs> I'm just sitting there going. You're not having a great day, lady. I tell you, this is not working out for you at all. Yeah, yeah. Cause, yeah. Okay, yeah. Because think about the think about this show is it's an adaptation of a Sword Art Online fan fiction. Sure. Uh. And, and the way and the way it, it it flows, you know, I I wonder if they've got guest ghost writers. But, uh, oh, I think the original writer is supposed to be supervising on this, but 
it, it's uh like I said, I, I'm finding it acceptable and enjoyable to watch. I mean, yeah. okay, short pink suit, bunny ears, and a P90. What can go wrong? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't have the same sort of. Well, it was just getting into the action that that was in the first episode. Yeah, and it's. Um, so the two and three were very much introduction episodes. The next one should go back to the action. Yeah, well, and yeah, they weren't clunky. I mean, you know, Sword Art Online was kind of clunky to begin with and just got clunkier as it went along. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah, as it's, long, like I said, as long as Kirito and the others don't show up, I think it should actually be pretty good. Yep. Yeah, it's it's weird that I'm actually looking forward to a Sword Art Online show. It's, I feel like I've entered a, a mirror universe or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to find my... Mirror, my obligatory mirror universe goatee. Yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, it's it's a yeah, it's a decent <laughs> show. I'm gonna give it, I'm gonna give these episodes fours. Uh huh. Mm hmm. I'm gonna give All them right, fives. Uh, I liked fives. All right. Uh, so I believe that'll do it for the um for the sh <clears throat> reviews. I think we do have some. We got one. I think. Uh, let me see here. I'm trying. Um, I think it's the second. Oh yeah, we have one from uh, Cyber Dude, uh, who who's who's now known as the Age of Cybers, um, <laughs> who says, "Hey, have any of you guys played Doki Doki Literature Club? It's a visual novel, uh, and Steam has it for free with an overwhelmingly positive score. I'm kind of tempted to try it out." Yeah. Um, I have downloaded Doki Doki Literature Club. I have gotten distracted by Yakuza 6 and God of War. Um, both, which, uh, by the way, God of War is way better than I thought it would be. Uh, and still has some makes, problems, but it's, yeah, it's really good. Certainly, but also, like, infinitely better than the original God of War games are, both in terms of how fun it is and also in terms of of how not problematic it is compared to the first three games. Problematic, um, I like that word. Yeah, man, the first three games have uh, they are they're kind of like the the template for uh, edgy misogyny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've been meaning to play Doki Doki Literature Club for a while. Uh, a lot of people I know who I trust have mentioned how much they've enjoyed it. I've also tried to stay away from as much information as possible because I've heard one of the big things about it is there is a twist that makes it into a game that you were not expecting it to be. Yeah, um, I've I've played a little bit of it, and like you, I've gotten distracted by 10,000 other games. But yeah, it's I, I want to play I'll it. It's one of those get to it things, and I tried to hear as as little about it as possible for that for that reason yeah so uh, it's apparently not too long uh especially for a visual novel uh so yeah i i am like as soon as i finish finish up god of war i'm gonna try getting uh i'm gonna play doki doki next just because i've been putting it off for far too long at this point <laughs> uh but yeah i i think uh once that happens i, I i'd like to talk about it briefly with Aaron, I think. Maybe in a spoiler cast. We'll see. Uh, wait, you said um, it's yeah. free? Mm -hmm. Yep, it's free. Huh. 
So if you want to, Ben, you could play it as well, might, and then uh, all three of us could maybe do a special, like, uh, sort of bonus cast about it. Yeah, uh, if you might my arm hard enough, I it. might even play it free. Yeah, maybe. That's a, that's a definite maybe. Yeah. All right. I do still have a Steam uh, account the last time I looked. Yeah, yeah, I think you do. You hardly ever use it, but you have Wait, it. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, don't even have, I don't even have a Steam account yet. Oh, really? I think... Um, yeah, anyway. yeah CyberDude, thank you for reminding me uh, of that game. I had completely... For, I had kind of completely forgotten about it um, for, uh, for a while. But yeah, I'm going to try and get to it at some point. Um, anyway, I believe that's it. I'm looking through my tweets to try and think if I got anything from anyone and if i did i've probably forgotten it in which case i'm sorry please tweet me again i'm an idiot no uh, you're very human yeah anyway yeah so that'll be it for this episode uh thank you all for joining us um as always you can send comments or questions uh you can post them on our blog at www.projectharhi.net or at audioentropy.com. Uh, you can send us an email at bakacast at projectharhi.net. Uh, and you can tweet me at Stilts the GM. And you can tweet me at Deathslinky. And I don't tweet, my bird died. Oh. Right. Ben. Dustin. <laughs> Three, two, one. Kiribosh. Kiribosh. Uh, for most of the continental United States, I'm proud to announce spring has finally arrived. For you people who are still getting snow, I don't know what you did, but you're still getting snow. Bye bye. Try moving to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs>